Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast, the show that brings together Michigan's top cannabis growers, advocates, and business owners to offer a fresh and honest perspective of Michigan's cannabis industry. Stick with us to get the lowdown from the people who have been on the ground floor of cannabis business in Michigan and gain insights into where the industry may be heading. Welcome to the Smoke and Rope Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Basor. Today on episode 84, we have back returned guest and old faithful, always a great show, Rick Thompson. Rick, thanks for being back on. Old faithful? No one calls me that. That's wonderful. <laughs> good about me now. Yeah, I kind of I kind of feel like it's, you know, those old late night shows when, you know, whenever you're like, we need a guest, who do we get? Let's get Rick. It's going to be good no matter what. So, yeah. You know. Wasn't the previous nickname Tugger or something? So I think Old Faithful is probably a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, uh, that, that's a something I charge for. So. <laughs> All right. All right. And uh, Tom over at Real Leaf, thanks for, uh, for joining us. Happy to be here as always. Yep. And uh, Kevin will not be able to be on the show today. Uh, but we will hold it down. We wanted to talk about a few things. Uh, of course, big news is the uh, the hemp uh, converting into the uh, the THC and the distillate into regulated market. Talk to Rick about that. A um, little update on the old Chatfield, old 2016 MMFLA saga that's going on back in my neighborhood, not too far away. And then. Um, uh, we got a, uh, uh, an announcement, uh, Redemption and Rick, I'm, uh, I'm real happy and excited about, and then we'll just talk about anything else uh, with the market. So, um, you know, we could we could be talking for days. So first, Rick, uh, he's been on the show before, but for those that don't know, Rick and, uh, and I met back in 2009. Um, we, we both got involved in cannabis, him at Big Daddy's, me at Capital City Caregivers, and We've done uh, lob, you know, lobbying together in 10, 11, and you know, almost a decade, and done a lot. The list goes on and on. So, uh, but I could 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 spend quite a bit of time talking about that. But with that, Rick, uh, why don't you introduce yourself, and then let's kind of go right into the uh, the hemp conversion. Sure. Well, I'm Rick Thompson. I'm currently uh, positions I hold include the executive director of uh, the Normal Chapter here in Michigan. I'm on the board of directors of the Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition. I represent the 5th Congressional District for the Cannabis Caucus of the Michigan Democratic Party. I'm on the Redemption Foundation Advisory Committee. There's just a bunch of stuff, but more importantly than that, um, I think there's a lot of people out there that that believe in what we're doing and what the smoke and rope is all about. And instead of the individual personalities, let's talk about just the, the whole impact that community that uh, communications like this have on the in the industry. Most people don't get a chance to learn about things from traditional media sources anywhere. Traditional media has covered us terribly over the years anyway. Yeah, it's yeah. programs like this that cut right through the crap and get right to the real meat of what's really going on in our community today. Yeah, we got on. We got no ulterior motive. Right, right. There's there's nobody, uh, uh, you know, pulling strings here. There's no big multi-state operator saying you can't talk about this or you you have to hate on that. Uh, oftentimes I see hosts of other podcasts kind of having forced positions, positions sometimes which don't even seem like the same thing they said to me in private not that long ago. And I know it's because they have someone pushing them to do it behind there. And, and nobody pushes Tom Beller, nobody. <laughs> Except Krista, but you know, that's a good push. That's a good push. 
Well, well, thanks, Rick. Um, well, uh, let's talk about. Uh, I know we we were discussing it. Uh, There's a an article by uh, Scott Roberts that came out yesterday. A lot of us saw. Um, basically, call to action to get to the Capitol and testify. Um, you had Scott on the Jazz Cabbage uh, show yesterday. Can you give us an update what that was about and kind of your feelings on it and uh, a good summary because a lot of people are uh, confused and so new. Sure, and there's a lot to be confused about, but let's let's back up one step further and talk about the, the really big change. Uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer on the 13th of this month issued an executive order which combined all regulation for hemp and cannabis under a single agency. Previously, cannabis, as we know it, was handled by the Marijuana Regulatory Agency as hemp was handled by the Michigan Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. She has brought all of that regulatory authority under one agency, calling it the Cannabis Regulatory Agency, which is just a renaming of the Marijuana Regulatory Agency. So with that in mind, that lends to a blending of the hemp and cannabis industries, since they're both controlled by the same agency at this point. Kind of in a surprise move, the Marijuana Regulatory Agency has announced a plan or at least a proposal to allow products to enter into Michigan's medical and adult use cannabis markets that are derived from hemp based uh, THC products, which would be crafted from hemp, probably craft, uh, grown out of state and then imported into Michigan. Now you can imagine the disruption that this might cause. There are many people who are currently growing outdoor crops of high THC cannabis who would perhaps have their entire operation unseated by this source of inexpensive out-of-state cannabis uh, THC. You can also see where hemp farmers would be concerned because whenever you start talking about changing the rules for hemp and making them more like the rules for cannabis, that's a much more expensive way to operate. And many hemp farmers simply don't have the margin to be able to modify the way that they operate to come into compliance with more traditional cannabis regulatory schemes. And you can also see where consumers might not necessarily be happy about this product either. The Marijuana Regulatory Agency is going to require that those packages of hemp-derived uh, THC products be labeled as synthetic THC. And they've also put significant limitations on the amount of THC derived from hemp that can be included in those products. We're talking about a 2% gummy, a 2, two milligram gummy and a 5 milligram gummy which are oh, way lower than what the traditional dosing would be here for our traditional uh, products in Michigan. But one of the things many people are concerned about is that this would be a foot in the door for multi-state operators who don't want to obtain a Michigan license to be able to still sell their products in our state just in an indirect manner. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a little more, more than I had heard about as of yesterday. Especially, uh, it does seem like a foot in the door. To, why the two milligram and why the five milligram? Uh, I don't. I mean, there's got to be something behind that. Maybe, uh, maybe Director Brisbo will be on uh, do another round of shows here shortly, and um, we could we could find that out. But you know, we talked about it. I'm I'm kind of torn uh, from the outside in. There's obviously a lot inside of it, and people are motivated to get this done for different reasons. So you always want to look at that, but from an outsider looking in it's like, hey, you know, like those fences that I know that had to be up for the outdoor grows, those are hundreds of thousands of dollars and a lot of infrastructure. 
that they're using. And, and yeah, it's, that's distillate. If you're going to be using fresh frozen, you can, you know, you're a little bit protected from it, but everyone will have to go to fresh frozen to survive out there. But, um, you know, like th there's that, but then that's an unfair advantage, you know, unfair as far as the regulatory costs and it's not cool for a small business guy, but then it's nice to, you know, what if it brought the price way down on, on CBD and, and, and things of that nature and THC, uh, gummies to the point where, you know, um, it's just like, you know, buying a, uh, an inexpensive vitamin. So I guess that's where I'm at on it. What well, do you it's think? just going to further devalue the crops. I mean, yeah. clearly the processors are going to be hurting in the way that a lot of the cultivators are right now with these MSOs dropping, you know, $900 pounds of remediated flour into the market and compressing the smaller farms that have, you know, have to watch their margins, but are also producing a higher quality product that requires more care and handling and and they're not cutting corners and it's just the same thing across the board it does you have to f follow the money and see what's really happening here the two most important factors people have when they're buying cannabis in the adult or medical prog process here in michigan typically are thc content and pricing and tom makes a very good point that this is a, a product that could come in at a much lower price point than something that would be far more medically effective for the medical market or something that would give a, a far more satisfying experience for the adult user. So if, if you're a brand new person coming into a store and you've never used cannabis before and you buy one of these, these low dose gummies and it doesn't work for you, you may just say cannabis doesn't work for me and never try it again. I, I'm, I'm concerned about the message that we're sending to the industry and also the consumer experience that we're giving. Yeah, yeah this seems this seems unnecessary as, as in 2022 and like it's kind of it's being forced. So, you know, like like most things up in Lansing, I'm sure it is. It just uh, and it does. It does seem like a little bit of a way like, you know, there's there's people doing long plays and people are planning this thing out to when it is you know, Marlboro and everybody and, and the whole infrastructures in the in the country. So, you know, this might be planted 10 years ahead type stuff, like you said, or five years. And, and, and as they foot in the door and those relationships get built. So I don't put nothing past them anymore. So well, what's worse than hot dog water, man? Now we got to come up with a term for that. Oh, man, synthetic, yeah, well, synthetic hot dog water. There's something yeah. else. <laughs> Squeegee water. Squeegee yeah. water. Hot water, water. It's been left out in the sun. Yeah. Well, it, it, Kelly Garrity from Abco Labs. Uh, Abco Labs, one of our testing laboratories here in Michigan. Kelly was at the hearing this morning, and she gave me an update on what was talked about and everything else too. Uh, it's currently about two fifteen, I think, here in Michigan. And you have until 5 p.m. this evening to be able to submit written comments to the Marijuana Regulatory Agency regarding these proposed rules. Unfortunately, I can't find the proposed rules anywhere on the Marijuana Regulatory Agency's website. So I'm not exactly sure how we would, you know, intelligently form those type of arguments that we would submit to them. For an agency that that says they behaved in a transparent manner, this was really done kind of by surprise, right? The two of you, Tom and, and Ryan, you're as keyed into the industry as anybody. And we had no clue about this until the last second. Isn't that correct? I had yeah. no clue, but was, they're not calling was, us to yeah. ask us our opinion on things, you know? <laughs> no, but we're but just guinea pigs. They do have a, they do have a press release system that they use to yeah. inform us when hearings are going to be held. And I didn't get a press release on this. Yeah, so. I didn't, didn't overhear anything in Soup Spoon or Arts Pub, so. Uh, <laughs> that you're sourcing. Okay. Yeah, no. Well, uh, obviously be watching that closely. It's never a dull moment 
uh, you know, 2022 uh, in Michigan cannabis. But on to uh, another subject, uh, ongoing saga. It's been a big part of kind of our, our lives in the last six years for a lot of cause of uh, pain and stress, especially people like Tom Beller that went through the licensing process uh, with the board. Um, the uh, MCMA um, Chatfield, uh, Meekoff, Linder saga continues with uh, um, the state police under the guise of uh, the attorney general raiding or searching that looked like it was a it was a seemed like a raid uh, from what I'm hearing this morning at the gym up from the people in White Hills uh, of Chatfield's uh, old uh, chief of staff. So, uh, Rick, what uh, what's going on with this? So you can back up to about 2016 when the Michigan Medical Marijuana Facilities Licensing Act was actually put in place. That was really the the starter's pistol for a lot of heavy lobbying for business interests of Michigan's uh, legislature, the, the House and the Senate. Arlen Meekoff and then after him, uh, Lee Chatfield built amazing war chests based on, you know, dark money that was allowed to be uh, contributed without record. Now, all of a sudden, there's a big interest in exposing exactly how that dark money was was crafted. Was it uh, was it solicited through improper process? Was it used in ways which are illegal to do? Lee Chatfield is the center of that. He's a former Speaker of the House, as Arlen Meekoff was. I think Arlen Meekoff was Senate Majority Leader, actually. But Lee Chatfield, the Speaker of the House, amassed a huge uh, war chest. And naturally, the, the rise in their ability to fundraise coincides exactly with the rise of the cannabis industry in the state. It's, it's viewed by a lot of people that some of the, the money that was used for these graft purposes, as they're accused of, came from the cannabis industry. And when this uh, sort of onion gets peeled back layer by layer, there may be some very big industry players who take a big hit because of, of concerns about how they donated and what that money was used for. Yeah, this is, uh, this is as the world turns, uh, for me, you know, this is, uh, I've been, we've been watching this one and sometimes you think, oh, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. But it was, uh, it was dirty from the get go in 16. Uh, you know, I was around it. You see things, you hear things, and um, you know uh, we'll see what we'll see what comes out. But uh, you know life's funny sometimes, and uh, there's a lot of I don't know how there's a I don't know how good you know you know some of these uh, these MCMA businesses are sitting there now with this going on, with you know uh, margins not being what they were, performers going bad. Uh, expenses going up. Uh, it's it's, it's got to be stressful in those boardrooms as well. Well, typically what we saw in the past was whenever your business suffered, you just paid off a couple of legislators and got a fix in the law to make it easier for you to operate your business. That's essentially what happened with the MMFLA um, over the course of the years. And when we had the Michigan uh, Marijuana Regulation and Taxation of Marijuana Act, the MRTMA, which created our adult use program here in Michigan, there were some significant forces aligned against us with that program too. Many people forget, but there was a, a competing ballot initiative at that particular time, which would have proposed, you know, limiting cannabis in Michigan to just 10 big grows and, and uh, not allowing home cultivation. 
Now that didn't get enough signatures to make it to the ballot, but you can bet your bottom dollar there was some serious cash being dumped into that program. Steve Linder, who is the leader of the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association uh, trade industry group, is really one of the people who's under the spotlight on this particular issue. Chatfield may have been the, the Speaker of the House that aggregated the money, but much of the, the donations that were re realized by Chatfield came through Steve Linder's hands, either through his client base that exists within the cannabis industry, but his even larger client base that exists outside of the cannabis industry. Right now, Linder, who last year was very vocal in pushing his anti-caregiver bills, Linder's been Mr. Quiet Mouse. Uh, and in fact, was interviewed by somebody the other day and, and his only statement was, I don't wanna talk about any pending legislation. That's a far cry from talking about how terrible caregivers are and how they were gonna stomp us into the ground with the legislative efforts. So uh, we really see some fear, like, like Ryan's talking about. There's fear in boardrooms right now. And I would suggest to anyone from the Michigan Cannabis Manufacturers Association that might be watching this podcast, don't delete your emails. Don't delete those text messages from Steve because that's just gonna get you in trouble with the feds. Because this isn't just a state investigation. It's a Fed thing. Yeah, man, it is. It's been a Fed thing for a while. So uh, we, we shall see. And um, man, uh, Linder's uh, nickname self-proclaimed around town is the Prince of Dark Money. Um, and so I guess, I don't know, it's wild, stranger than fiction. <laughs> well, one of the problems with Steve Linder is that he's a, a person who acts as a lobbyist, but he's not registered as a lobbyist. When you're registered as a lobbyist, what you take in and what you give out has to be recorded and reported to the state. If you're just a private guy like old RT over here, you don't really have to make those report statements. You can do a lot of crazy stuff. So Steve has avoided being an actual registered lobbyist. I think it's crazy that someone who complains so loudly about cannabis producers not being registered and regulated himself refuses to be registered and regulated in the same way that his industry is. What a hypocrisy. But, you know, not a surprise coming from that source. No. Hey, uh, speaking of that, we're on the MCMA and important topics. And I was on a call with uh, uh, Tom the other day and, and heard him explain, you know, the, the, the need and, and why it's important to, uh, to put on our, our product <clears throat> and to talk about remediation. I think this is now is a good time, Tom. Like you, you spoke elegantly of that. So I know in the future, um, you're the you're the talker. I'll uh, sit there. And, oh boy, and look out now! <laughs> That's all right, man. We've been fighters from the beginning, you know, and we're gonna keep fighting. And the big thing about remediation, if if people are not aware of what it is, it's a process in which to sterilize products, especially cannabis products and reduce any kind of microbial contamination that might cause them to fail tests. And uh, it is a pretty standard practice throughout the industry. And it's actually written into the SOPs, I imagine, uh, of many large grows, <clears throat> because at scale, it's nearly impossible to produce a cannabis flower in Michigan indoors. I can't speak across anywhere else. I, but, you know, having experience in that department, there are certain parameters you have to respect within physics that uh, that pre prevent you from producing a healthy cannabis crop without failing the microbial um, testing because Michigan has very 
high standards of testing for microbials and other uh, contaminants in, in our cannabis products for a reason, right? We're always talking about the interests of public health and safety, and that is very important. Absolutely. But we can't just cherry pick when we talk about that. We have to really start thinking about the macro vision and um, a lot of the larger producers um, have to utilize remediation in order to sterilize their products to pass testing. And there's no way of tracking that. And there's no requirement at the state level for anyone to report remediation unless you fail a test and then you remediate after. But if it's part of your SOPs, there's no way of tracking it through metric, which is the whole point of metric in so many ways that somewhere that needs to be documented. Uh, and people want access to those really inexpensive cannabis products, but there's a cost, right? The cost is remediated product that could can still can definitely still contains mold spores. Um, even though they may not be able to reproduce, they're still there. They can cause issues with people that have asthma. And I think just the general nature of wanting to know what you're, what is, what you're smoking. And if people want access to cheap cannabis, that, those are the things that are, that are going to ultimately the forces that are trying to crush the little guy who's trying really hard. We have SOPs written, we're scaled properly so that, and we spend extra money and extra care and make ensuring that our facility is clean and we have weekly air quality tests. We are, we're running everything we can and it's expensive and it's a lot of labor involved, but that has to carry somewhere over. And if people are getting away with kind of skirting the system and it's actually at the price of public health and safety, it needs to be documented, right? I want that cheap product. Well, on the package, at least you know what happened to it, right? And it would be nice to, to see that happen. I mean, at least the, the producers that don't remediate to start talking about it, you know? What do you, I mean, you should be proud of that. Yeah, that's, that's, we're on it. We're gonna do it. Rick, Rick, you know, you're out there talking to everybody and, and, and I got a good pulse on things. How many people do you think from the consumer end know that a lot of their, you know, common citizen or flourish or live well type stuff is remediated and uh, most of the time versus not? No, they really don't. And in fact, manufacturers go to great lengths to not let you know about that. As, as Tom mentioned, you can remediate product after it fails a test, but you can also, and the most common way of remediating it is doing it before it ever goes through testing. And that way, there's no entry into the metric system, our statewide tracking database, to let the regulators know that it's ever experienced that, that ozone shock or that x-ray uh, uh, wave or whatever, you know, bath that they want to dip their things into. And it's very valid to say that, that mold spores still remain on there, even if they are dead. I'll say, too, that one of the things I didn't mention about in my credits is I'm part of the, the cannabis consumer group that meets with the director and the staff of the marijuana regulatory agency every month and every single month we push them about remediation and one of the things that's been said to us is that <clears throat> literally take a look at one of our cannabis labels in order for us to put a little bug on there that says remediated a little button that says remediated we have to pull something else off tell us what we can pull off there that we don't need in order to make space for this remediated label well, make the tag, make the, label, make the label red. 
I don't right. know. <clears throat> I suggested a slash of stripe in the corner. You don't need to change anything. Just put a stripe of color in the corner that's, that we can visually see. I want to see a pictograph. I want it on the I want it on the package so the yeah. consumer can see that. So when they pick it up and they say, "What is this radiation symbol? I wonder what that's for." Yeah, it and was. it's a pictograph because people some people don't speak English in this country, surprise people, and some people <laughs> cannot read. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said, it's, it's such a huge safety and health problem and i don't i i just can't believe that it's not being taken worse i mean you know why but i i still can't believe it right so education having conversations with bud tenders with the people that are willing to have the conversations with their customers maybe you take pride in the cannabis that you're selling to people and you want them to know that this product has been remediated maybe people need to start hearing this from people that don't remediate and not just me over here and saying, hey, Ryan, but you know, everyone needs to come together. You know, we're circle the wagons. We're up against some things that are really, it's insanity, yeah. really. I mean, and all we're asking for is just like, be be truthful, be real about what you're doing, right? Yeah. Somebody wants to buy it, they will. And of course, yeah, I'm sure nine times out of 10, maybe the consumer doesn't care, but at least it's there. And that one or two out of 10 are like, oh, wait a minute, maybe I should, think differently about how I'm consuming my cannabis. And you know, who knows? If, if you can prove with the science, with real science, that it, that it doesn't cause any harm and the irradiating flower, uh, you know, they're using, they use cannabis plants and hemp plants to remove radiation from the soil in Chernobyl. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Tom. And and you know what? There's a, re there's a reason like the biggest, um, I guess vendor, you know, at the, the at the Vegas, the MJ BizCon this year was like Willow, or you know, was was right up there. Like a lot of people are using them, and you can get away with that in all these limited markets. You know, um, some of these markets that might be, let's just say, it's such a common SOP for the guys in Michigan. One of what's going on in the limited markets where people are forced to buy it, and you know, and then first of all gives marijuana a horrible name as far as and then even like regulated marijuana a horrible name you know we're over here trying to do it right yeah it's but, scaling and greed it's scaling yeah and, you know we've scaled small in order to control the parameters in order to grow a healthy garden we don't produce eight thousand pounds of flour every month and then have to cram it into the limited michigan market and people you know it, it's it's just it's nutty to me. And I, Tom, I saw, I saw uh, an article about a gigantic grow yeah. facility, yeah. you know, with, I mean, monstrously huge. It's going up on the west side of the state. And my first thought was, what are you going to have a whole room full of willow machines that you're going to run every single bit of cannabis that you that you produce out of there through this? Because I don't see how you, you <laughs> check the floor plan. I mean, I mean, you just can't craft a, a quality cannabis like comes out of Real Leaf Solutions or Driven Grow. You can't craft that in a room that's six times the size of what you grow in. You need to control your environment better. And you're right, Michigan has some unique growing challenges for cultivators. Well, they, there are spaceships out there and the, it's just, it is just a matter, in my opinion, of scaling. Here in Michigan, it might work other places, you know, and as you get further south in Michigan, it might be a little bit easier to manage some of those parameters, but it really is. It's just a matter of scale and greed. And if they, and if they can't have the whole market to themselves, then you know to, to just take it well that's that's why you know i feel like this is this is something you know we just keep on or this is a constant we've been doing this for 13 we're years fighters. 
yeah so i mean it's been guerrilla warfare uh the whole time it's gonna have to be that way in michigan so if the rest other parts of the country want to you know lose their cannabis soul and remediate everything and limit it that's that's fine that's their business but we're not you know we're not going to do that here so. but i really would love to, yeah. to the mra you know everything's in listen are you listening in the in the interest of public health and safety you know i mean can you give we need reasons as to why you think this is okay and i mean if at least let people know that's yeah. all yeah. i think yeah. that when you talk about informing the consumers uh we've we've done a a good job of getting around the word that we should boycott certain companies because they have bad business practices. We need to have a, a non-remediated cannabis list. We need to have a, a, a list of people that we respect and enjoy their cannabis because they don't engage in these processes. We need to make it easy for consumers to get that. Um, it, when we, we expect them to do the research on us or uh, hope that, that the bud tender is going to explain it to them, I think those are loser propositions. We really need to get out there and be more proactive in who is and who isn't. Right. Yeah, well, well this massive compression of pricing across the board because of product out there from these types of practices, you know, these are, uh, these are hurting a lot of people and it's time to rally the, you know, the wagons man circle them around and say hey you know this is be proud of how of, of the product that you're making don't let the people that are out there fighting over dog like dogs over you know over market share you know get you down because if you can if you can produce something of high quality and it's safe and healthy you know the the consumer as much as they're price driven if they at least had the information available to them to make a decision on what that means I mean, we can be competitive on pricing and maybe who knows when we have access to safe banking and we can have access to loans and typical financial vehicles that normal businesses have, then we can maybe properly scale and then compete and bring the prices down even more for people. But at least we would want to do that in a, in a way that's manageable and, and, and healthy for the public, you know, and I think it scares people, right? Well, we really talk about trying to convert people who are using the regular, the unregulated market, the traditional market, and convert them over into the regulated market. People can choose to use any source they want. That's our freedom as, as citizens. But we want more people to feel comfortable using the regulated market. But when those people who are just looking at us like, maybe I want to step into Dispo for my first time ever, when they see things like Veritas Labs cheating on test results or cannabis exposed to x-rays before there, and they have no way of knowing that that's what they're getting when they make that purchase, that's a disincentive to the traditional market to come into the regulated cannabis space. So what they're doing actually is more counterproductive than I think it is productive. Yeah, I, you know, well, we're, tell you what, that's what, uh, you know, there's getting more of a push for it and it's, it's, uh, there's a need. And I think that's, uh, that's the main focus for, to be quite honest with you, a lot of us, uh, you know, I guess there's, uh, uh, we've, we've let, let it be known. Uh, we're, we're going to work on this and we're going to make a big deal about this. And, um, you know, if you're truly in the interest of safety and testing and, 
uh you know clean cannabis and you know like your your billboards that you came out with saying that caregivers were bad and all that stuff because yeah they were growing untested unhealthy products and then you expect people to trust anything that they read anymore about anything i mean what you have you have to stand behind science and you can't just you know make adjustments to reality based upon your agenda you know it's just good point you're real yep and that's what's going on so yeah it's interesting uh, hey, uh, the, the, my big announcement uh, with with Rick, super excited. Uh, Rick and I have worked, like I said, we work together on a lot of stuff in, in all different capacities and it's always gone well. So I um, feel like I'm getting uh, an all-star here, but uh, Rick's gonna start representing Redemption out on, on the road with uh, the Redemption Foundation and Redemption Cannabis at the, your local vendor days handing out penny joints, talking about expungement. So Rick, thanks uh, thanks for agreeing to come on the team. I'm, I'm already exposing my lungs to the redemption. I need to expose everybody's lungs to the redemption is what I need to do. But the fact is uh, I have opportunities to work with a lot of different cannabis brands because of whatever, for, for whatever reason you might imagine. <laughs> uh, I just don't, I don't. I, I look at people and I'm, I'm like, I'm a good judge of character and you ain't going to get me to stand next to you in a photo, dude. But when I, I look at redemption, I mentioned previously, I'm on the Redemption Foundation Board of Directors and the Michigan Cannabis Freedom Coalition, which is heavily dependent upon funding that's generated by redemption and our and our wonderful uh, uh, telethon that we had right here on the Smoke and Rope podcast uh, channel uh, last year. But there's no company I'd rather stand behind and redemption in the state of Michigan and, and all of the people that are associated with it and all of the things that they stand for with the Great Lakes Expungement Network, with all of the charity functions that are going on, the other people that are involved in the advisory board, including my good friend, Jamie Lowell and, and so many other trusted members of the community. This is a good group of people. And when you, when you get invited to, to join the Justice League of America, you join the Justice League of America. You put on the Batman cape and you, you say, I'm ready to go be a superhero. And that's what Ryan's doing for me here. Man, well, I love, I mean, we, we're talking about this gearing up and, you know, uh, the next 18 months of this market is going to make or break it for, for most of the people, uh, we believe. And, um, you know, we're, like I've always said, we've been going to battle a long time. Now it's a different enemy and you got to bring out all the, the heavy guns. So, um, you know, Rick, super excited you're coming aboard. Super excited to be doing a lot more stuff with Tom here again. And then uh, we got, you know, the, the legend herself, Josie Scoggin, coming on full time with the foundation starting March 1st. So um, we're really going to be able to do a lot. we got a lot of great momentum and, uh, you know, that's fine. That's what uh, that's what we do. Uh, so it's twenty four seven. So super excited, super excited about that. And uh, when people right. shop with their, you know, with your morals a little bit too, you know, you have there's there's history. If people don't know, maybe we need to remind them that there is an industry and cannabis was available to people openly during a time of, you know. Uh, we, everyone is oppressed, you know, during prohibition. And there was a time when people still had cannabis and people rallied together to, to fight the injustices of the situation. And a lot of people sacrificed almost everything 
if not everything. Some people went, you know, went off to jail for a very long time. Some people died, you know, and all for a plant that now is legal and we're fighting over, you know, political bullshit now over this on, on, on the big business side now. And it's, you know, with, if you can get behind a, a brand, you know, that has any kind of roots in the history of cannabis, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't see anyone else out there that has any legitimacy in that realm, you know, that's doing, um, you know, as much as you are doing Ryan and, you know, we're proud to be behind redemption and, you know, excited about working together and, you know, taking the, taking the fight further. Aaron McCarty says, don't tell me about the project. Tell me about the people. And when you talk about redemption cannabis, it's a great people story. Well, man, awesome. I didn't uh, mean to turn it into an infomercial on myself, but thank you. <laughs> you deserve uh, no, I'm, I'm super, super, uh, super excited. Uh, you know, like it's, it's middle of February. It's the shortest month of the year, but obviously it's already felt like the longest for a lot of us. And, uh, it's going to be, uh, another storm's coming, but we're, we're about to be out, uh, into the spring. Um, people just got their tax refunds. I'm already hearing about some big, big, uh, big paydays at the local dispensaries. That's, that's great for everybody. And, uh, you know, the marijuana market, uh, kind of comes out of hibernation too. So we will be ready. So, uh, I want to give, uh, Tom a chance to say a goodbye before we go. Rick, always great to see you, man. Keep fighting the fight with us. Love you. Glad to stand next to you guys. Thank you. Rick, any final words for our listeners? Well, uh, again, you've got until 5 p.m. today to be able to submit commentary regarding those new proposed regulations about this conversion oil issue. Be active. Take take control of your life, and that means communicating with the decision makers. So please, I hope you'll take that opportunity. And of course, join me on Jazz Cabbage Cafe on Tuesdays, or you can watch for me on television on the Roku channel on the uh, Pro Cannabis Media Network. I appear on both the, the Weed Talk News and JCC every week. So tune in and watch for those postings of where the redemption vendor days are going to be because I like to have fun. <laughs> nah, it's going to be, it's going to be. Go see Tiger. <laughs> yeah, first one, I believe, uh, March 5th in Ann Arbor. Uh, so stay tuned, folks. Uh, come, see, uh, come see Rick. Now, uh, really, uh, thanks for being back on. It's always a great show. It's always great to catch up. And, and uh, you know, um, it's actually really good, almost like a pep talk uh, for me, honestly. That's, let's get rocking on. Uh, everyone should know if their, their weed's being microwaved and, or ozonated or if there's dead mold spores in it that you're going to be breathing in. Um, that's knowledge we need to have out there. Come on. So... Um, let's take the fight to them. So everybody listening, start thinking about that yourself. If you're a grower, processor, or a banker, an accountant, whoever, um, that's real. And it's going to be a focus and you're going to hear a lot about it. So, um, you know, do a little research yourself. With that, we will see you next week. The Smoking Rope Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Ryan Basor, the owner of Redemption Cannabis. Have ideas for episode topics or would like to be a guest on the show? Contact us at RyanB at RedemptionCanada.com. Thanks for being along for the journey.